Once again, I'm Steven. I did the opening video. You get to hear from me again. I was just thinking we need more people who like to be on camera and filmed and talk to complete strangers that they don't know uh, so that I don't have to do all these videos. That'd be great. If that's something you're interested in, send us an email. We'll get you involved here, okay? So the Christmas season really is my favorite season every year, year-round, all the time, has been. I love the taste of Starbucks peppermint mochas. They're so good. And my grandma has this secret recipe for these croissants with uh, almond glazed filling and frosting on top. They're so good. And yet she only ever brings them out around this time of year. They're absolutely the best. I love seeing the Christmas lights around my neighborhood and the decorations in the stores. That's beginning to start now in September, which is around when my birthday is. And in my opinion, it is that Christmas is the most wonderful time of year. Now, what has made it this time of year even more special to Megan and I is that both of our sons were born on Christmas week. No joke, didn't plan for it to happen. It just did. All of our oldest is born on December 30th. Elijah, our youngest, is born on Christmas Eve. And so Christmas week is a very busy, expensive week for our family. We do a lot of partying. We don't do a lot of sleeping as we go from Elijah's birthday on Christmas Eve to Christmas to Oliver's birthday to New Year's. I mean, we put out every year with a big bang. Um, But we know that things are going to be a little bit uh, different this year. We are living in a global pandemic. There is a health crisis out. Those things are very serious. So we are making adaptions. Uh, For example, we weren't able to do one of my favorite Christmas traditions, which is the Saturday after Thanksgiving. We go to Starbucks. We get one of those delicious peppermint mochas. We do a little shopping, and then we go home, and we put up the Christmas tree and all of that. So we had to do it a little bit differently. So instead of going to Starbucks, we bought some peppermint mocha creamer at the grocery store for our coffee at home. And uh, instead of shopping in person, we did it all online this year. And so those were kind of some of the adaptions that we've had to make. I know that you are also making those types of adaptions. Um, But one of my favorite things to do on the Saturday after Thanksgiving is listen to Christmas music. Uh, But if I'm being honest with you, I hardly ever wait until the Saturday after Thanksgiving. I usually listen to it long, long before Thanksgiving happens. Right around the time Halloween ends, I am itching to listen to Christmas music. Now, I know that this is a polarizing opinion that I have, and some of you are probably thinking right now, I have outstanding sin in my life, and I need to get right with God, but I assure you that is not the case. You need to get right with God. (laughs) I love, for example, Taylor Swift's cover of Last Christmas. How can you not be excited to hear chestnuts roasting on an open fire for the first time? I'm serious. How can you not be excited about it? What is wrong with you if you are not looking forward to that? What is your favorite Christmas song or what are your favorite Christmas songs? Who's your favorite uh, band or musician who does Christmas, Christmas albums, let me know. I'm personally always looking to expand my library with more Christmas music, but no other sound, okay? No other sound captures the Christmas season more like this. Mm-hmm. 
For many of you, nothing sounds more like Christmas than impending doom. Okay, that's a little intense, a little exaggerated. Uh, but while your situation may not be all gloom and doom, I know that many of us this time of year around the holidays do experience a lot of fear and uncertainty and depression. It comes up every single year. And how much more is that magnified this year in 2020? Um, So many people lost their jobs this year, lost their sources of income. If not permanently, temporarily, a lot of people lost jobs. I mean, we don't know what 2021 holds for us. You don't know what 2021 holds for your job, for your career, for your financial future. You're heartbroken that Christmas won't be what it could have been, that Christmas won't be necessarily um, what you imagined that it would be um, if you had kept working and kept earning. It could be that your relationship with a significant other isn't going really well. The relationship wasn't super happy and healthy before COVID-19 and safer at home orders, but 10 months into stuck at home with each other, it's really not doing well. And what ends up happening now is lots of passive aggressive comments, subtle but pointed looks, and emotional withdrawal. The holiday season isn't going to be merry and bright for you and the most important person in your life. And what's usually already a lonely and isolating time of year is even more lonely and isolated as we stay at home to stop the spread or slow down the spread of COVID-19. Serious and heavy stuff. We all want Christmas to sound like sleigh bells ringing and chestnuts roasting over an open fire, but for some, it will be the sound of disappointed children. It'll be the sound of shouting with you and that significant other, or it'll be the sound of silence that is deafening as you wait for someone to call or to text you to check in on you, but they never do. What I want you to know right now is that I see you, I hear you, I know you're out there. I've been thinking of you and praying for you. But let me talk to those right now who maybe are having a hard time relating to what I'm saying. You see, your relationship is going well. You didn't lose your job and you continue to earn. You have a great family or a great support base of friends and you feel fine that this season is really good. You know that it's been difficult for a lot of people. It hasn't necessarily been easy for you, but you're much better off. Please don't check out. It is human nature to want to self-preserve And so you quietly might want to drift into the background and walk away from the conversation, to walk away from messy people and their messy situations. You might think that you could have easily have just lost your job or had lost your health. And that is true. You just as easily could have, but you didn't, or perhaps you didn't. And followers of Jesus are supposed to respond differently than the rest of the world. So if you're not a Christian, I'm letting you off the hook. I'm not talking to you right now. If you want to check out because 2020 has been fine for you, by all means, go ahead. But if 2020 has been fine for you and you would describe yourself as someone who's committed your life to God and you're following Jesus, this is not the attitude that you and I can have. Megan and I were thankfully able to work this entire pandemic. We never, ever lost income throughout the last 10 months. And we thank God for that. We don't take that for granted at all. What's more amazing to us is that Megan has had to go in 
to work. She doesn't get to work from home. She has had to go into work at a child care center and be with lots of different adults and lots of different kids for the last seven months. And we haven't gotten sick. We haven't even been exposed knowingly. We haven't had to get tested because we haven't had any symptoms. We consider that a miracle in and of itself. It is remarkable and we feel blessed for that. But our attitude coming into the end of this year then isn't that we just need to avoid people who had a tougher year. Quite the opposite. Megan and I know that because we had a great year that we are required that God is looking to us to make a difference in people's lives around us. Who can we bless? Because we have been blessed. That God has given us more so that we can open up our hands and give away more. Because the reality is, the reality is that while your life might be going really, really well, there are people around us, people watching and listening right now, who have been fighting for their families. They've been fighting for their jobs. They've been fighting for their well-being. And even though it's hard to talk about, we talk about hard things at our church. I've said it since day one, and usually it's about other topics. But I want to talk about people's lives being messy and messy situations and us diving into the mess with each other. More importantly, we're not just going to talk about doing it. I'm going to challenge you to do something about it, and I hope that you are up for it. Let me remind you that we are in a uh, series, an Advent series that we're calling Before Christmas. We're looking inside of the Old Testament. We're reading from the prophets who wrote hundreds of years, centuries before Jesus was born and had prophecies about Jesus, prophecies about that first Christmas. This was an era in time known as the, the time of the kings. And it's when God spoke to his people through special messengers that we call the prophets. God would send prophets to speak at a specific time to a specific people and to speak a message of wisdom or or instruction or warning to God's people. What the prophets had to say so often were so important. I mean, God picks somebody to speak to everyone else. But what we see over and over again in the Old Testament as we read through the prophets is that prophets were largely ignored, completely, usually ignored just as prophets are today. And the results are, and the results continue to be, when we ignore prophetic voices, disastrous. Prophets have this gift of hearing from God to say, this is what it takes to connect with God, to say that this is what it takes to connect with the world. And prophets also say that these are the things that are keeping you from connecting with God. And these are the things that are keeping you from connecting with other people. And often those things are very unpopular to talk about. And so prophets continue to be um, overlooked, ignored, um, kind of seen as maybe heretics at times. The prophet that we're going to learn from today is Isaiah. So if you want to follow along on your Bible app, or if you're using a real Bible, we're going to Isaiah. This is after the reign of King Solomon, that's David's son, and the nation of Israel is split into two. And in the middle of all of this chaos, uh, Isaiah comes onto the scene. And I have a friend who is going to tell you a little bit more about Isaiah's story.
Twas a thousand years before Christmas, around 930 BC, Israel split into two kingdoms led mostly by bad kings. So God sent the prophets to speak words that were true, but nobody listened, and the kingdoms fell through. From Jerusalem came a prophet, Isaiah was his name, who watched the north crumble and thought, what a shame. And then came the day his king Uzziah died. Uncertainty filled the land and the anxious people cried. But even in the middle of this very scary place, God spoke through Isaiah and gave him reason for his faith. That was cute, wasn't it? Okay, so Isaiah's role as a prophet begins with these words in chapter 6, verse 1. It was the in the year King Uzziah died. It was in the year King Uzziah died. Now, this tends to be kind of flyover information. As you and I are reading our Bible, we don't, this doesn't necessarily pop out of the page and say that this is significant. Um, it kind of seems irrelevant, but it really isn't. I mean, because this king was a really popular king. He was well-liked by everybody. He was very effective at his job. They had a strong economy. Um, things were going really well, and they lived in a time of peace. And then when he died, it threw the country into this period of uncertainty. They really wondered, well, what's going to happen next? I, I think that this is something that every person who's watching or listening can relate to. In recent history, either four years ago, you were crushed when Donald Trump won the presidency, or this year you're crushed that Joe Biden is the president-elect. So we all understand what these people are going through when there's a transition in leadership, kind of maybe some of the fear, the uncertainty, the anxiety that comes up with it. And even if you're not a fan of either major party, I know that um, every four years you're reminded that Things aren't how you would like them to be, that your politics aren't being represented. And, and so I get that. And I, and I want us to connect with these people to understand that what they were going through is not unlike what we're going through today. But back in Isaiah's point in history, the southern kingdom had had a lot of bad leaders before King Uzziah. King Uzziah was a reformer, and he worked to break down the political and religious corruption. There was a lot of that going on, and he came in and he undid it. So his death was really hard for everyone because everyone liked him. He was the kind of leader who, as hard as it might be for you and I to, to imagine today, he was the kind of leader that brought everyone together. What was scarier for them, though, might have been the threat of enemies as this king has died as prime opportunity uh, for an enemy to come in. The Assyrians, who we talked about in the last series of Nahum, um, were coming in. This was before Nahum writes. Um, and in fact, uh, again, during Isaiah's lifetime, the Assyrians would conquer the northern kingdom and um, lots of anxiety. And, and I know that this year is kind of like that for you, not just because of the election and politics, but do you guys remember back in February and March, we were asking, what is COVID-19? Is it the flu? Is it deadlier than, than the flu? And, and there was so much misinformation going around because we didn't know or because um, it's easier to spread misinformation. Safer at home orders went into effect uh, March and April. And we started having these conversations of who's an essential worker and, and who isn't an essential worker. And how do non-essential workers who were telling to stay at home 
pay for rent and groceries? And how do they continue to live when they were earning hourly wages and now they're being told that they can't? Um, how do we help people who are considered not essential? Now there's a vaccine coming out, but I'm hearing all over the place that people are very skeptical of it. They're worried about its effectiveness. They're wondering if it's been rushed. They're wondering about the long-term uh, effects of such a vaccine. And so this is a year of uncertainty. We can absolutely get in the heads and the minds of the people who Isaiah is writing to. You will never, ever forget this year, 2020. Chances are, and I'm sorry for this, but chances are that you know someone who has lost their life to COVID-19. I'm deeply sorry about that. And I know that future holidays, Thanksgivings and Christmases or whatever it may be, I know there'll be a constant reminder of the year 2020 as an empty chair or an empty couple of chairs around the holidays. And this year isn't even over yet. And honestly, we don't know what next year has for us. And so this is kind of what the people in Isaiah's time are also going through. They were thrusted into a period of time like ours. Let's continue to read Isaiah 6, 1 through 3. It was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. And they were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. In the midst of chaos, like what you and I are going through right now, that is when God breaks onto the scene. That is when God shows up and begins to speak to Isaiah and gives him visions of what is going to happen in the future. And it's a powerful reminder that no matter how bad your situation or circumstances are, that God is breaking onto the scene to speak to you and me as well. And the message that he has for uh, Isaiah isn't that there's going to be another great king to take over for King Uzziah, but rather it's going to be a king. It's going to be the king who comes. Isaiah has a vision of this king sitting on a throne, but he, Isaiah also has a vision of this king in a cradle. Jesus wouldn't come the way that many people expected him to come. And the prophet Isaiah calls that out. He says, all right then, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, 700 years before the birth of Christ is when this is written. The virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and we will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. 700 years before the Virgin Mary gets pregnant with the sinless son of God, Isaiah has a vision of that. He writes that down and that is transcribed and composed and sent all over the place. 700 years before it happened. He says that the king is coming and he's coming to be with us and he's coming to be with us in a very unusual way. He will be born of a virgin. That is a weird detail when you think about it. it. It is odd. But what's more odd is that this king, this King Jesus, doesn't come riding up on a horse as a war-torn and war-winning general. But he comes to us as a baby. 
comes into this world the same way that you and I came into this world. We needed somebody else. We needed someone to clothe us, to change us, to feed us, to care for us when we were sick. That is the way that Jesus is prophesied to coming in to this world. Matthew, the author of the first book of the New Testament, quotes the prophet Isaiah and telling of the birth of Jesus 700 years after it was written. And Luke writes it this way. He says, uh, telling of the story of the birth of Christ, this is an angel comes up to Mary and says, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the son of God. Isaiah's wild prophecy comes true. And it's easy to see this side of history, 2,000 years after Christ, 3,000 years after Isaiah. But at this time, this would have been mind-blowing. The king comes, born of a virgin. His name is Jesus. And he comes into the world still chaotic, still uncertain. And he comes as a powerful and as a righteous and as an eternal king. And it is this, Isaiah says, that we have a reason for faith. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. In this passage, in this prophecy about Jesus, Isaiah gives us four reasons for faith. The first reason that we have to have faith is that Jesus is a wonderful counselor. He has a supernatural capacity to offer the most marvelous counsel and the best advice in the world. I can remember that when we were praying about where we were going to start a church, that we, Megan and I went into separate rooms in this hotel that we were at while we were at a church planting training. And we wrote down 10 cities that we just felt like maybe God was calling us to. And, and I was super deep. I was like Honolulu, the Bahamas, you know, all the places that that'd be real struggle to go serve in. And, and she was more realistic and chose things that were more around the region. But one city showed up on both of our lists and it was odd because it was a city that we had never, ever been to. It was Madison. So we thought, well, that seems like a sign from God. Let's go visit Madison. We came to the city. We fell in love with it. Before I left, I bought a map of Madison on State Street and I took it home. Some of you who are in my first apartment probably remember seeing it hanging on the wall. I don't have it anymore, but I would pray over that map and I would say, God, where in Madison? Because Madison's a big city. Where do you want us specifically? And four roads, it was so weird, kept popping up in my mind. And it was Gammon Road to Odana Road to 
Whitney Way to Mineral Point Road. And I said, okay, this is, this is it. This is where I feel like God just keeps drawing my eyes to this part of the map and he keeps calling my heart. And I, I, we had not been there yet. We had only gone downtown and walked around. And so we said, this is where we're going to go at. And we come to visit and uh, we had been told at this church planning training that if you're going to start a church to do so around a Walmart or a mall. And I remember parking our car at the Westtown Mall and looking across the highway and seeing a Walmart and thinking, well, this seems like a sign from God. We started our church in the Radisson right there off of Odana Road. And a week later, we took over a church that was meeting inside the Loser Center. It was the only two churches that were started in 2014, to my knowledge. And we took the other one over. And that was at the intersection of Gammon and Mineral Point. You see, God knew what I needed. God knew what we needed before I did. I didn't even know what I was asking for, but I asked him for his advice. That's just one story of many. And it's not because I'm special, but it's because I have a wonderful counselor. So let me ask you, where do you need advice? Where do you need the most help? Jesus isn't just a wonderful counselor. He's your wonderful counselor. Having Jesus as a counselor is the first reason that we have faith. The second is that he is a mighty God. You might feel weak and unable to handle the situation that's in front of you. Jesus, though, has all the might, all the power, and all the strength. And on his time of, er, on, in his time on earth, he healed the sick. He fed hungry masses and even raised people from the dead. And he is eager to help us when nothing else can. I remember that We've been praying for one of our kids' workers and this relationship that she has with her son, which was very tense and had a lot of conflict over years and hadn't talked in a long time. And, and we just kept praying. We just kept praying. We just kept praying. And over the course of the last six months, she was able to get with her son and to spend time with her son and to see her grandkids. That was an answered prayer. That was something that, that she couldn't necessarily do or he wouldn't do. And there was this conflict that went on forever. But we prayed to our mighty God who can do more than we can imagine and ask. And he answered. I remember praying for Alyssa and Judd. They'd been trying for years to have a baby. You guys, many of you probably know Zion, but they'd been trying for many years to give Zion a brother or a sister. And it was discouraging. And they were, they were upset about it. And, and Alyssa, as I saw her post about it, there was a lot of tears. She said that they cried. And, and I remember the night at small group this last January where our small group laid hands on Alyssa and Judd and we prayed for them. And less than a month later, they announced that they were pregnant. Now we can all look at baby Zaire and we can be reminded that our God is a mighty God who can do more than any of us can do. God can do more than people who can't or don't or won't. What do you need to have happen in your life that no one else is able to give you? Go to your mighty God. It is a reason for faith. Jesus is an everlasting father. Now I know the father can cause a wide variety of emotions. I know that some of you had great dads and you can't imagine your life without your dad. And on the flip side, some of you had terrible dads or absent dads. And, and, and so imagining God as a good father is difficult, but Jesus says he is the everlasting father. You know, a couple times every year I do uh, funerals and it's during that time when this everlasting part is really important because it's when the inescapable happens when someone that we love, know, cherish dies, that the eternal part is really important. You see, the reason for our faith is that this life isn't it. That when we die, that when we pass on and move 
we move on to the kingdom of God, that we move on from this life to the next to be with Christ. We have an eternal God. That is another reason for faith. And we have the Prince of Peace as Jesus talked about, or as Jason talked about last week. Peace is not just the absence of conflict, but it's complete soundness no matter your situation, no matter what you are going through. When your fear is crippling, Jesus' peace calms us. And he guards us no matter what you are going through. No matter if it's the job loss, it's the relational problems with your spouse, it's the Christmas where kids are disappointed. No matter what it is that you're going through, Jesus can give you peace. The King Jesus, the King that people of God had been waiting for since the day of Isaiah had finally come. And it happened in an unthinkable way. He came being born of a virgin. And then eventually Jesus, we know that the story ends where he's tortured, he's beaten, and he is crucified. Their fears, the followers, his followers' first fears were realized fully. And the uncertainty of the season of life that they were in was way harder than King Uzziah passing away. Must have been a really dark day for those disciples as they watched Jesus hang on a cross, bleeding to death, while others mocked him and bet and gambled for his clothes and his possessions. Everything that they had hoped for in Jesus seemed to be fading away. And Pilate's soldiers twist together a crown of thorns and place it on Jesus' head, and they bow before him, mocking this King Jesus. They say, Hail, King of the Jews. They taunt and they slap and as they led him away to be crucified. As preparing for this talk, something I think that you might think is cool is that there are two different Greek words that we can use for crown. And the first one is what you would think of. It's a king's crown. And that would have made a lot of sense for that to be the word that they used, but Matthew, Mark, and John don't use that word. They use a different Greek word. And this Greek word was a crown that with ivy and branches and twigs, and you would place it on the head of the winner of the Greek games, or as we call them, the Olympics. The reason that this is an important and cool detail is that the crown that they used to mock Jesus was described by the first followers not as a king's crown, but as a victor's crown. As somebody who has won it all, as somebody who has accomplished it, as somebody who has done more than other people, They write that, that is in the gospel, that he wears the victor's crown. And what looks and sounds like utter defeat in that moment when Jesus is dead and buried is actually victory. And it was a symbol that was meant to mock him. Turns out to be the symbol of his victory. There is a reason for our faith. Jesus wears a crown of victory even as he's carried to, even as he carries the cross He moves the stone from the graveside that was sealed shut. And he will stand with you as he stands with me when we are unable to move. He is the king whose kingdom will never end. He is the king who came as a baby and whose glory fills the entire earth. He is the king who conquered death and is never, ever going to die. In the middle of a chaotic year and an uncertain future, there is, re- there is a reason to have faith. God is speaking to us just as he spoke to Isaiah 3,000 years ago. He's breaking onto our scene and in our lives. 
He will give you peace. He will give you power. He will be your counselor and he will keep you eternally. Think about the things that make you worry the most. Acknowledge the darkness of your situation and circumstances right now, whatever that may be for you. And in the midst of all of that uncertainty, recognize that there are multiple reasons for us to have faith because our King is here in the middle of it all. Do you see him? Do you hear him? Do you feel him?